I stink. The essence of my wish wisps off my skin and foul dissatisfaction. My wish is for death. I sit here silently wishing for the death of the woman beside me. She's dying already, but not fast enough. Her defiance wrinkles my nose, makes my lips pucker. She smells as bad as me. How long will she go on believing she is alive? Her daughters reek of the same scent. Even though the doctor said hospice, the cancer said stage four, the scan said tumors unshrunken, and the woman's skin, face, organs say 80 years old, they all seem to believe more surgery, more chemo, and a different opinion will mean more time, smaller tumors, more life. But she is already dying. How can they not see? She's already 80, for God's sake. I understand your denial. Death is a hard friend to invite into your house. But what time can be bought with chemicals, pills, and denial? What quality of life is that? And what about the people who care for you, woman? The ones who must bear witness to your denial, push your pills, walk you down the stairs, pay for your treatment, keep watch over the house while you nap, and force you to eat food you do not want. I see your narcissism now, that of which my mother warned. You are guilty of clinging to life. It is not an uncommon sin. What boils my blood most is that you are 80. My best friend died at 19, a month short of her 20th birthday. She fought hard for her life, deservedly so. She deserved 80 more years, yet accepted death when it came knocking on her door. So tell me why you, old woman, get more time. Tell me why. Because right now, I can't accept this. I'm fuming foul odors of vengeful death. For you. And I don't like it. Not one bit. Tell me why you won't just give up and die. And tell me why I want my grandmother to die so much. I was contemplating what I wanted to share with you all today here. Um, and I settled on this poem. It's called Die. It's, it's quite awful. <laughs> I mean, as the, as the poem implies, as the, the foul odors imply, um, I wasn't feeling good in this feeling. It's not beautiful feelings or sunshine and rainbows. It's, um, but it's honest. It's honest. It's, it's how I was feeling at the time. And I thought to share it now because today, this morning, I got word that my grandmother passed away. Um, I think a very confusing mix of emotions came to me. I think the biggest one was relief for her. Knowing she was living in agony for so long in pain. Um, I think a lot of us do that in life in general. We accept suffering as our existence and we know there could be different and we have a lot of trouble accepting release, accepting death. But death is a part of life and I think death can be 
when looked through a very spiritual lens or looked through love or, or I don't know exactly the word I'm looking for, but when looked at another angle, I think death can be very powerful, very powerful. So I'm happy for her. I'm also sad knowing she won't be there anymore and also sad and afraid for what is to come, what holidays will look like, what Christmases will look like. We always do them up at her house, her and my grandpa's house. So I'm wondering how will my grandpa change? How will how will my mom and her sisters change? What, what will that look like? What does that mean? And we've always had a difficult relationship and I think that is why this poem die or the feeling that created die was so strong um, because we we've always all had a, a strange relationship. There's there's a very serious mother daughter intergenerational trauma going on <laughs> on this side of the family. Um, I have a difficult relationship with my mom, and she had a difficult relationship with her mom, my grandma. And, and grandma had a d- difficult relationship with her mom. Um, the narcissism section that I hinted at, um, grandma um, is a narcissist. Um, and her mother before her was a, a, a very intense, a very intense narcissist. Um, and I, there's a lot of trauma passed on there, of lacking care and, and passing on those feelings. Um, so I I knew my grandma well enough that I spent a lot of time with her. But it wasn't until more recently getting closer to my aunts that I started learning more about her. Um, and I think that created the anger that came out of this poem. Um, learning about a stage in her life when she was, well, abusive to her children. She was alcoholic. She was, of course, going through a lot. She just had a brain tumor removed. She was depressed. Um, but some of the things that my aunts have spoke of, of her doing, are, oh, my God, horrified me. And now, well, I guess if you talk to her, um, you know, a year or so ago, you know, before the cancer and everything, or even even in the past few months, um, just more recently in her life, you would hear a lot of denial or just not seeing what she had done. And, and my aunt even talked about going to her and trying to talk through some things, getting closure, you know, about things that had been done to her by her, her mom and grandma just not being able to accept it, see it. I'm not sure, or even remember it. Maybe she put it away somewhere. Um, And it, hearing all of that brought up a lot of anger for me, especially because I'd always struggled um, visiting that side of the family. Ever since I was little, I, I could always feel this sort of energy that I didn't like. Sitting at the dinner table, I remember I used to say, oh, I hate being at the adult's table. I hate adult talk. 
And as I got to know other families, hang out with other adults, I realized, no, it's not adult talk. It's, it's those adults. What's up with those adults? I, I would always ask to sit at the kids' table because I didn't like what they were talking about. I just didn't like the energy that was at the table. There was just a lot of underlying something that I couldn't name at the time. And all of a sudden I start hearing about all this trauma and I realize, oh my God, that's what I was feeling. That's exactly what I was feeling. And I was feeling my mom and dad's relationship and their dynamic being off. And my mom, when she comes home, almost turns into a child. Um, and my, my aunt, it, she doesn't want to spend as much time with us. I could always tell. she did, It just felt like she didn't want to be around us or would avoid us. And later realizing, oh, that was anxiety. My grandpa always kind of keeping his head down and then my dad saying, oh, I'm going to do that so I can I can get along here so I don't have to feel so uncomfortable. And I could just tell everybody was uncomfortable. We're at these family gatherings and nobody wanted to be around each other. Um, it felt really awful. Um, and so I think learning that grandma had a big part in creating that kind of family quality that's that sort of feeling you know the thing that made one of my aunts so anxious and feel so uncomfortable being home was because of the abuse she the abuse she had to go through um and with my mom and aunts like that just those strange dynamics where i, I felt the time were caused by her now there are so many factors that go into it they they you know this isn't all caused by her um so much anger, so much anger. My best friend had just passed away and I was wondering why. Why God, why, why her at 19, at 19 and not this woman who had done things that I thought were horrible and who I felt wasn't honest or who I felt made holiday holidays and family gatherings so uncomfortable for me and who i also think i blamed a bit for my mom i've always had such a a strange relationship with my mom where we haven't been that close and she hasn't been able to be as caring as motherly as i have wanted her and realizing oh grandma wasn't able to give that to her how would she know and so i think just a burst of anger came forth then um Now, faced with her death, I forgive her. Maybe I forgive her. Um, Looking back, she did the best she could. Um, I don't know all the stories about my grandma and mom, but from my, what I've heard, she was horrible, um, even more horrible than you know stories I've heard when my grandmother was alcoholic. 
Um, so I can imagine she endured a lot and was misattuned to a lot as a child and and struggled and struggled. She did the best she could with what she had. And um, when she did come out of that phase, um, the dark phase for her, she did try her best. She, she got into yoga and meditation and all these things. And maybe she couldn't apologize for things she had done later. You know, maybe she couldn't help my aunt, my aunt whom I love so much. I mean, she's struggling so much with these things from childhood and it just breaks my heart. And I wish, I wish, Grandma could have could have looked at her and said, I'm sorry, I recognize all those things, and I'm sorry, or something in that realm. I wish that. But I but I know she also did the best that she could. With the best that she had. She is the woman who introduced me to yoga. She always encouraged my love of art and theater. They would come to my theater performances and every time, every time, say how amazing I was, just shower me with compliments and love. And she's a very honest person. She doesn't, she doesn't lie. Um, and always spoke so highly of me. And I really appreciated that. She, I asked her one time what she had always seen me as, what she had always thought of me, because she looked at my little brother and said she always saw him as a musician, apparently. And she looked at me and she said, I've always seen you as a, a leader, like a CEO, a CEO of a business. <laughs> um, now I can't see myself as head of a, uh, a business, I'm not <laughs> corporate, um, but I see what she meant. Um, and I appreciate her thinking so highly of me. So yes, I forgive her. Of course I forgive her and I want to apologize for, for wishing death upon her as well. She's strong anyway, she resisted it. <laughs> Lasted much longer than I thought she would. She was a very strong woman, very persistent, very stubborn. Um, so I knew it would be hard for her to let go. And um, not last night, but the night before last night, I shaved my head <laughs> and I was thinking of her and I was thinking, grandma, it's time to let go now. It's time for you to let go. I'm telling you, I'm sending you this message. It's okay now. It's okay to let go. I know it's scary. I know it's scary, but it's time to let go. And I woke up yesterday morning thinking, I think, you know, I thinking that would be, you know, the night or the, or the morning she passed. And she didn't. <laughs> She's one stubborn woman. Um, and then last night I had a realization, um, of something she told me about an ex-partner. Um, she said that he drained me, like sucked the life out of me. And I, 
I remember laughing and thinking, no, it was because I was with the family at the holidays, you know, and being up here during Christmas like makes me really upset. And, and that was true. Um, but I, I've just been processing a lot of stuff recently about that relationship. And um, I remembered what she said last night. I was walking home. She said, he drained me. And I thought, oh, my God, Grandma, you were right. I'm sorry I didn't listen. You were completely right. Completely right about him. And I went to bed. I went to bed thinking how right she was. And in the morning, I got the message she was gone. I think she... I think she wanted to hold out until she could get that um, satisfaction. <laughs> uh, she couldn't go out when I when I sent the message to let go, but rather when I when I told her she was right, and I told her she was amazing. <laughs> mm. Yes. I'd like to end with a quote. I mean, I have a lot of quotes. I love quotes from different books. I love Bell Hooks. I love Toni Morrison. I love Audre Lorde. Um, so it's hard to choose one for today. But I'm going to settle with this one by Bell Hooks. And then we'll close out for today. Loving makes it possible for us to change our worship of death to a celebration of life. In an unsent letter written to a true love in my life, I wrote, during the memorial service for her sister, my friend gave testimony in which she declared that death has left us loving her completely. We are so much more able to embrace the loss of intimate loved ones and friends when we know that we have given our all, when we have shared with them that mutual recognition and belonging in love which death can never change or take away. Each day I am grateful for having known a love that enables me to embrace death with no fear of incompleteness or lack, with no sense of irredeemable regret. This is a gift you gave. I cherish it. Nothing changes its value. It remains precious. Love does this. Love empowers us to live fully and die well. Death becomes, then, not an end to life, but a part of living. <laughs>